Welcome to A Kenyan's Experience, a podcast for Kenyans by Kenyans. In this podcast, we use real, raw, and personal journeys to provide you with the knowledge and the power to demystify, simplify, and make better decisions about your academic and professional future. This podcast is relevant for everyone at any point in their academic or career path, from high schoolers to university students to industry professionals, and even those looking to pivot later in their careers. Here at AKE, we ask the questions you wished you had before you started your journey and normalize making bold decisions for you. So tune in for a once-weekly episode that will leave you inspired, challenged, and laughing as Kenyans tell their stories here on A Kenyan's Experience. In this new season, we're introducing a new feature, voice notes, whereby you as the audience will be able to click on a link that will be in our show notes and let us know what you thought about the episode. Any feedback you may have, you know, as far as content or even like technical stuff, we want to improve. So hit that link, record a voice note and let us know what you think. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of A Kenyan's Experience. We're here, back again. I'm your host, Dennis, joined by my other host. Hey guys, it's Gazani here. Nice, nice. And uh, the two of us, our other co-hosts are away as well. You guys already know it because of time differences and our availabilities and such, but you're used to all of that conundrum by now. <laughs> yeah. So we have an exciting guest with us uh, on this episode. Um, it goes in line with our collaboration uh, that we've been speaking about throughout this whole season. So we're very, very excited to have Angela on board. Angela, say hi to the people. Hi guys, how are you? <laughs> My name is Angela and I'm really, really gr- glad actually to be part of the Kenyans Experience yes. podcast because yeah, I mean, your people have a great following and I mean, they give they give us great feedback also on our pages. So I mean, I'm, I'm honored yeah. honestly to be here. <laughs> We're happy to have you. It started in the it started in the DMs, and here we are. Yep. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> so, Angela, tell us about yourself. Uh, a nice little intro. Who is Angela? Oh, Angela. Angela is many things. Yeah. So, do you want my professional side? Do you want my family background, education, or everything, some of my everything? everything. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So. Who is Angela? Angela is a lady who takes her friendships, work life and family life seriously because I believe in being intentional. So from Monday to Saturday, I'm usually working for the best part of the week, eight to five, uh, with a company called Unisav Education. So there I look after the Europe market and I love what I do there. I mean, and after work, you'll find me hanging out with my friends, um, attending, you know, seminars or events in line with what I'm really interested in. So anything art, anything culture, anything that, you know, can expand my knowledge. I'm really big on continuous learning. Um, Yeah. And uh, I'm a sister (laughs) to my great siblings, honestly. Um, And I think... That's who I'd maybe sum up in brief, but you know myself. 
<laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Kevin. As I say, so you mentioned your Europe lead. What does that mean exactly? Okay. All right. Uh, to debunk the Europe lead, that would mean um, I, by saying I look after the Europe market, would mean I handle recruitment uh, for mm -hmm. the European universities that we work with, Chiniserve. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, we normally reach out to students in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda, pretty much where we have our offices based. And we advise them on higher education opportunities that are in these countries. So now the European countries that we handle, um, about nine. So these would range from Ireland, Germany, Switzerland, France, Sweden, the Netherlands, there are a bunch of them. So we would, so our, my main responsibility would be to ensure that the students who are looking to study in Europe have the necessary information in regards to their admission requirements, in regards to university selection, um, in regards to accommodation, student life there particularly, and also empowering my team you know, so that if I'm not there, then the team would also be able to pass the same knowledge and pass the same information to the students. I also work very closely with the universities themselves. So if they would want any clarification on any curriculum that, you know, they haven't tackled before, because you see the most the mm -hmm. most prevalent curriculums would be, you know, IG, whatever. So you know, if there are local ones that they would need yeah. any specific guidance on, I would be able to at least do that. And of course, now signing up new partners. So if there's a university that we've seen would work in this particular market, would reach out to them, establish a partnership or collaboration. As you said, it started in the DM, but now <laughs> do it professionally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that is what it means to look after and to be like the head of Europe recruitment. Nice. Sounds like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That sounds fun as well. It is fun because you get to meet so many students. People like, you know, have interesting courses that they want to study. Um, I've also had to learn on the job pretty much on certain courses that I didn't think existed. Um, you get to see mm -hmm. other countries because you see we organize events for the students. Um, some are in Kenya, some are in Uganda. So now that's how we reach the students for proper guidance. So yeah, I would say it's fun, honestly, because it's not a monotonous type of job. You don't just sit behind yeah. your desk January to January. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So you, you deal with a lot of students and, and young people, but, um, you yep. yourself were once there <laughs> as well, a student. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what, what was that like for you um, in terms of like, what did you study in uni and how was, I guess two questions, what did you study in uni and how was now your, your, your process getting to um, your job that you are in now? <laughs> oh, that's a good question, Dennis. Um, so <laughs> what I studied in uni was international relations and I focused mm -hmm. on diplomacy and foreign policy. Um, my, you, you asked me if, how, how was that like, uh, uni was interesting, honestly, I got in with expectations of how uni yeah. was supposed to be. And mm -hmm. when I hit the ground running, everything was completely different, right? Um, yeah. you get yeah. to meet people who are very different, you mm -hmm. know, from, from like background, who are not who don't think like you when you get into class you're challenged and you challenge others mm -hmm. yeah but i would say i enjoyed my yeah. uni experience uh -huh. i think the first year i was a bit shy honestly and looking back mm -hmm. it was it was one of those you know because you're a freshman 
and everybody yeah. can yeah. smell a fresh man from like the door. <laughs> <laughs> you get into the cafeteria and they're like, yeah, fresh man. So I think yeah. in my first year, because I already knew, like you even go to a freshers party. So knowing that, you know, you've already been branded freshman was, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I had to navigate out of it and how I was able to do it. I joined like the swimming club and we were able to go to galas in Mombasa. And I think I thought that was really fun and cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined like, um, yoga and I was able to meet other people wow. so that I got to learn like how to navigate uni life. Even if I had, you know, friends who had already joined maybe years prior to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd say yeah. started off rough, but I I finished a superstar <laughs> in quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the first year for everyone is always an awkward one. Because yeah. <laughs> you're all in this space and you're trying to navigate it, like, oh, I need to find friends, yeah. but I don't know these people so much. <laughs> especially that. Especially when even if you go to the same uni, but your friends yeah. are not even doing the same major as you. Mm-hmm. So you're, yeah. you're, you're in a class where you've got to make friends, have to participate in group works, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So was that your main, your main, um, your main topic? Did you always wanted to study that in uni or were you thinking about different courses and you sort of just dived into, <laughs> dived into a one? Oh, okay. So, um, I always, so no, back in high school, I knew that I did not want to get into a technical course. Like I just, mm. I wanted something that I would totally enjoy. And for me, what I enjoyed then was um, the humanities I took. So now right. with those humanities that I took, more, most of them were in line with the careers that I would have gotten into were either communications, PR, law. Mm-hmm. And my bro did uh, law. I saw how he was studying, the books he was reading. And I wondered to myself, do I really want to be stressed out in uni? Because I thought, you know, like uni is not supposed to be like high school. I don't need to like really struggle that much to do something that I I should, I'm supposed supposed to supposedly enjoy. So that's how I canceled law off. Um, we are yet to find out maybe 20 years from now that that was a good idea. <laughs> but honestly, um, how I navigated into international relations was I, I, and and I hope people from the communication sector do not come for me. At the time, I thought, <laughs> mm-hmm. why why would I go to school to learn communications? Yeah. Right? Like, why would I go to school to learn mass communication? It didn't make sense to me, but mm-hmm. they're the ones making all the money now, right? So <laughs> yeah. I, I I thought about diplomacy in a way that diplomats, because I love to travel. So, like, how you know, diplomats travel the world, how you can... You know how you always want to, you know, make policies that impact people positively, you know, change policies within your community or your country, being that we are mm-hmm. a country on the global south. So I think that's how I navigated towards finding international relations because it was fun. It tackled things yeah. that I was really passionate about and I enjoyed mm-hmm. my research work. Yeah. So I think I battled between three courses or careers, mm-hmm. but then I think I got into international relations. Yeah. So when you eventually settled on international relations, did you have um, like sort of career paths or roles in mind as you made your decision to settle into that um, like course? Uh, uh, yes. So I, I, I didn't per se have a career. But like the only thing I would think about at the time was becoming mm-hmm. a diplomat, right? 
Right, but you right. obviously don't graduate and you're like, hallelujah, Angela is a diplomat representing Kenya in SG France. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. um, so that is something. And that is why like, when I talk to students now, um, I'm, mm. I'm quite happy that they get the opportunity to go through um, career coaching because that's something mm. that we do, yeah. right? Because mm. at the time, I, I was thinking about organizations more than the rules yeah. than the specific right. rules so i was like yeah so when i graduate i'm gonna work at mfa i'm gonna work at united nations i'm yeah. literally gonna work at all the ngos that deal with children refugees or you know security you know war-torn areas because that is where my research predominantly was in so i didn't per se think about a particular role i mean of course i did yeah. do the research and saw okay these are the type of roles to so love program officer you know liaisons officer or g foreign service cadet but that didn't click into my mind i think up until yeah. a few years later after graduation yeah mm-hmm. yeah nice. so at the time nice. really i yeah i didn't think about a role i was like nah me when i graduate please find me at red mm-hmm. cross you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so international relations was your your undergrad Yes, that was my undergrad. Okay, and uh, did yeah. you take on a master's? Yes, I did take on a master's. Um, currently on the final lap. So I did oh, wow. proceed okay. with, yeah, I did proceed with um, pursuing international development. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because that is something I truly enjoy. And that mm-hmm. still cuts across so many sectors in today's world. Because it's funny, yeah. I was having a conversation with a friend and um so I told him, like, yeah, I'm still, I'm almost, like, getting, winding up with my master's. And he mentioned, what master's are you taking? So I, I told him, like, I'm doing international development. And he was like, that is a redundant course. Because, I mean, the world is moving through IT, you know, like, mm-hmm. can, like it's not a tangible skill where you can say, like, you're a CPK or you're a lawyer or you're a, you know. But I, I think the reason why I went on to do international development, because it cuts through so many fields um Mm -hmm. be it business be it education be it uh the ngo world per se like climate be it um economics like when you're looking at where the world is heading especially especially in the global south i still believe that there's room for people like us to venture into and break into the market for sure definitely definitely And when you are, well, I guess maybe you've kind of answered it, but you, you are considering like what else you could do with the masters that you chose, right? And not just choosing it because it was sort of in line with what you had done with your undergrad. So I think at the time I'd considered, I toyed with the idea of doing creative writing as a master's mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's just leave it as toyed with the idea. <laughs> because again, I think it's the, the thing of... <laughs> It's a thing of, but I can already write and I can maybe get, you know, like short yeah. courses where you're taught like how to, you know, uh, what exactly do you want to get taught in creative writing? Mm-hmm. And again, people who went to school yeah. to do creative writing, again, please don't come for me. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I mean, I would, I, would, I would want to understand why, because I mean, I look at the universities and for sure, when a student tells me they want to do creative writing, so now I have to now backtrack and ask them, um, like, uh, what do you hope to do with the career? So now if they're very clear with whatever they hope to do with that particular field, we mm-hmm. then explore the countries that would have space for that type of 
um, the career that they would want to venture in and then we advise them accordingly. So now looking at my circumstance now doing creative writing and then being based here, I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you guys, you, you're, you're Kenyans, right? So you, you do know that um, the creative space for writers is quite, yeah. it's, it's quite small and very niche. Mm-hmm. So yeah. then I thought about the ROI after that for a whole master's degree and just figure out um, mm-hmm. it's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> At least in my circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really important. I, I don't know if a lot of people really think up think about things that much when they're choosing like a course to take. Yeah. Like to be honest, I don't think I I really thought about it that like that deeply when I was choosing my my undergrad as well. <laughs> and like yeah, because like I knew the sort of roles I would want to do, but I didn't consider the Kenyan market. And so I think it's really yeah. important um, when people are thinking about unis and courses to think not only think about the roles, but think about the market that you'd be in. And I know like a yeah. lot of people yeah. who go abroad always have this assumption or this hope that they'll be able to stay abroad where there may be more opportunities, but it doesn't always Absolutely. work like that. So it's definitely a um, good tip to consider um, different markets with the different career opportunities you could possibly get into. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So Angela, you did mm-hmm. your um uh doing your masters, the final stretch of your masters as you say, and all the best yeah. with that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank then, you. Uh, also coming from your undergrad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then coming from your undergrad, um that gap in between, um just tell us about that gap in between between your undergrad and then doing your masters. Like what were you what were you doing? What were you spending your time? Okay. So I went through an interesting path or journey after uh, so before I graduated mm-hmm. I was already writing um, I really had my own personal blog but also doing short articles on uh, bloggers on Word- WordPress but that was really something mm-hmm. I was really doing so when I graduated um, I thought about joining my master's immediately but I just thought um, yeah. can I see what is out here what is a like can I at least also gain practical working experience, right? And of course, I sent um, a gazillion applications to the companies I mentioned. Um, I happened to do a couple of interviews with them. Um, obviously, didn't get to the final round. And then the opportunity came up to work with Fokere. Um So no, this opportunity was quite interesting because when I got the letter, um, I thought it was Nairobi, but um, it, was, it was listed Embu. So I remember telling my mom, hey, mom, uh, I got the letter, but I think they made an mm-hmm. error, yeah? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, no, 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 actually, yeah, it's Embu. So it, I was excited because, mm-hmm. as I said, I'm usually willing to explore explore opportunities or ideas that would grow me. Because mm-hmm. eventually, like, I, I, especially in this, like, Kenya, not many people would jump ship and say, fine, let me go take that job in Kajado or, like, yeah, let's go to Kakuma yeah. for a two-year contract yeah. and then come back. Because they think about, oh, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. all my friends are in Nairobi. Um, there's no, you know, there are no, you know, like, places where you, the, the common vendors where you can watch, like, maybe 3D movies. Wakanda is nowhere there. You don't have to probably, you know. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, so those are some of the things I, I knew I thought about. Yeah. But I was like, you know what, I actually don't care. I mean, this is experience that I know would be good for me. So I went there for an internship that lasted mm-hmm. six months. Um, so, of course, I had the hope of maybe joining. And mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, do I really want to then get into an accounts and finance 
um, field because again, as I said earlier, I didn't want to get into something too technical. So lucky enough, I wasn't, I, I was doing customer advisory. So like advising on, mm-hmm. I'm very tax savvy. You guys can say chat me for tax files information etc <laughs> no but seriously yeah so i'm just advising the community on like tax awareness and i and i thought oh wow so this is more yeah. like community development or maybe community like comdev right because now we would go to the to the mm-hmm. organized like events for them they would come in and then we'd talk to them about um you guys are running businesses this is how you register your businesses um and this is how you are able to like um take care of your filing system um this is how you're able to like file your returns on time to mm-hmm. avoid um no carry coming at you mm-hmm. and yeah i was able to do that and i found that yeah. fulfilling and if i got a contract i think i would have enjoyed that mm-hmm. job but i didn't so i had to come back to nairobi after yeah. the six months and um funny enough and i know i don't put this on my cv i did a short stint um with an insurance company and with you guys when an, an insurance provider comes to you just listen to them imagine just listen because <laughs> like i mean i i thought that was one of the most challenging roles that anybody can possibly have especially when mm-hmm. you're still fresh like fresh from uni and you don't you've not worked you don't have yeah. like a huge client base where you can reach out to and they would take you seriously if you're trying to set like a long-term life plan financial product so I think that was really tough. I did that for mm-hmm. a month and I quit because I it wasn't making sense for me, honestly. And yeah, yeah. after that, I ended up at Unisub. So now, whilst here, I was able to understand that, okay, this is slightly in line. Because you see now how I was able to look at IR, um, I looked at the SDGs. And that's how I was able to tell myself, mm-hmm. Angela, check, you're not, you're not at UN, mm-hmm. okay? But what are you working with currently that's can still add value and you can still contribute you know to the place that you're working at with the skills that you gained yeah. and how can you channel that with your passion so i looked at the sgrs of course no education i mean not sgr um the sdgs and education is one of them and mm-hmm. i was like yeah you know what never ever mm-hmm. have i ever thought that i would get venture into the education industry like like never but when i was here i found out that i again i was interacting with people i was not having a monotonous job yeah. i was able to change lives and impact lives and this is something that you can see like for example mm-hmm. if a student goes and studies medicine and they actually finish and become doctors and and you know that you contributed mm-hmm. to that success even if it's in a minute way but you are able to at least form the foundation mm-hmm. of that person's success and i i just found that um that was fulfilling and that's why i've been able to stay here for at least four years yeah so whilst here no i just thought okay maybe no this is the time for me to go ahead and take my masters because no that was your question explaining yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so i just figured um which master's degree would i get into that would that now make sense because i think i've done in i i thought (laughs) i've worked a bit and i wanted to go back to school and just Mm -hmm. learn so I explored both local and opportunities abroad. Yeah. And the one that I settled for was local. Mm-hmm. So I did international development here. Yeah. Which I'm still doing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. There's always that, there's always that weird pressure. I don't know where it comes from, but there's always that weird pressure of after you do your undergrad and you complete it, that you should immediately jump into a master's, yeah. especially if you, if you don't have a job or you don't really know what yeah. to do. Um, 
I, yeah. I, I don't know where that comes from. I mean, I felt that pressure as well, I'm not going to lie, but there's so much you can learn in yeah. between and there's so many opportunities that you can you can do in between. I mean, you've, yeah. you've gone through it and you did so much in between and learned a lot and learned so much as a person and what you wanted yeah. to do in your career. Dadoni, did you yeah. go through that pressure as well of, of wanting to jump straight into a master's? The only reason I wanted, this is so funny, <laughs> the only reason I wanted to do my master's immediately is because okay. I don't like school that much. <laughs> so I just wanted to get it over and done with fast yeah. and then go into working. And I also knew if I got into working and I was making money, I wouldn't want to yeah. go back to school. And I always thought, yeah. you know, when you get into the workplace, you can always do these short courses mm. that can help you like mm-hmm. constantly yeah. develop yourself and improve your skills. But I yeah. didn't want to work and then go to school. So that's why I was so keen to do my master's immediately. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that was the yeah. only reason I didn't like school. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know for... I know for a lot of places, the, the the assumption is you need a master's to get a job. I guess it depends on the field that you're in, but that's not always the case. True. As well. yeah, so I think true. people really just want to do their master's, get it over with so that they can get a job. But yeah. sometimes that's not always the, the path. Always but you see the gut yeah. And there's also yeah. the assumption that, you know, if you do your undergrad and then your master's and you're likely to get like a higher ranking job immediately, yeah. When I don't think it's always the case because you're still like fresher, fresh out of exactly. school. You don't necessarily have that practical experience to get the higher position. Mm. Yeah, and that's what I was actually about to say. Yeah. So the gag is, yeah, you finished, you have your master's. But then you know, we're going to those roles that expect you to have a master's. They also have a caveat, like five, seven working ex- years of working experience. Mm. So, you you know, like, yeah. so by the time you're looking to make a comparison of, okay, fine, now I have academics, now it's to source for. Um, experience and then there's also that notion of if you have too much paper like if you're well and ex- you know you're an exemplary student like you have your like two master's degrees mm-hmm. and you no know, two bachelor degrees and then you're looking for a role I, I, I know I personally haven't felt or experienced it but I know people who've experienced that mm-hmm. they're too mm-hmm. qualified for a role so now and, mm-hmm. and right. it's just unfortunate right. and I think I don't know, maybe you'd speak to that, maybe from like where you studied. I don't know whether you experienced um, the working market there and and whether that stands there, because I know for sure there are some, maybe there are some fields that that happens locally, for sure. Like you're too overqualified to get this particular rule and you're expecting this much to be paid, for you to be yeah. paid this much just because you have your papers. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one because, I mean, can you ever be too overqualified? Like, isn't that a good thing to some degree that you have all of the knowledge and the skills? But I guess maybe some jobs just really want specific kind of skill set and specific yeah. kind of people. So it makes it tricky for, for people when, you know, doing a yeah. master's, getting all of their credentials. But it depends on the field that you're, you're after. Yeah. Yeah, and I think where it also is a struggle for people who are looking for these roles, yes, you may be overqualified on paper, but you're willing to take that step back just to get, you know, into the job market and get your career progressing. But So sometimes yeah. companies don't recognize that when they just look at your CV or anything. So it's yeah. a bit of a weird mm. balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. So Angela, we we do a lot of we do a lot of research and stalking with our guests. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so we noticed that um, with you, you did uh, a diploma in a diploma in French. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, uh, 
Okay, so um, background. My, my my mom has always believed <laughs> that when you're graduating with your first degree, you can't just graduate with your first degree. I, I think she comes from um, like an old school of thought, which I think is can prove to be relevant even in today's job market. Um, so when you do your degree, you have to couple it up with something else. So now if you're a business major, like do CPA on the side. Um, so now if you, like my bro did law, he's been told to like take those secretarial courses so that you can have two skills to go with. So now, as I said, I am not a technical person. You, I, I'm, I'm, I can't ever see myself as a CG auditor, you know, like, so I just figured out, okay, so I did my research. And I looked at, <laughs> I looked at um, the requirements that people, as I said, me, I was just looking at the doc, the companies. So I looked at UN, um, what are most of, some of the um, qualifications that students would need, or maybe not students, like um, entry level employees would need. I looked at some of these companies. I also looked at people um, who maybe represent like some of the like um, permanent secretaries that we've had in our government. And I saw that the ones who were in line with IR, they either did law as a second degree or took up a language. So the idea of the language sound, yeah. sounded interesting because in uni I did Chinese and Chinese um, mm. for me, I, I, I did two cl classes for that. Yeah, you know, Chinese one and Chinese two, but let me tell you Chinese is, <laughs> Chinese is it's for special people. Anybody <laughs> who can speak Mandarin, is um they're gifted honestly because i i did struggle a bit so then i opted for a language because i've always been multilingual so i've i opted for a language that i can actually spell you know what i mean because yeah. i found chinese to be too technical so yeah so that's how i ended up picking up french um in my i think i was a junior at the time i think that was yeah i was a junior and I had free time. Of course, when you're just doing your bachelor's as a full-time student, you have a lot of time on your hands. So yeah. I used to do um, my French classes in the morning. So I used to I used to be dropped in town. I mm -hmm. I take my seven to my seven a.m. to looking back, I'm like, how did I even hack that? <laughs> like I used to wake up so early, get to town mm -hmm. by seven, like in class, seated by seven a.m., do mm -hmm. a two-hour class from Monday to Thursday. Yeah. And after after the 9 a.m., I go back to now, you know, my uni, and proceed with the classes that are running throughout the course of the, the day. And I did that for, I think, 2017, 2018. I did my A2 exam in 2019. I aced it. I did nice. my B1 exam, um, aced it, and now I'm doing my B2 exam, like, wow. I think next wow. year. So yeah. you've gone, like, all the way with French. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. And I'm like planning to way, honestly just, you know, yes, it's not one of those because you see, mm. I didn't want it to be one of those short stints you do and then and you just never finish, right? Yeah. Um, personally, I, I've always believed in if you just start something, if you can see it through till the end, because there's a reason why it started. Mm -hmm. And if you have, if your why is strong enough, you'll be able to at least stick it out. And I've been able yeah. to get like gigs like for tutoring through the French, mm. mm -hmm. especially after work. Yeah. So, I mean, if that, mm. you know, students were looking to, so I've been able to at least do that. Mm. It takes a bit of time yeah. and a lot of work. Again, I never ever saw myself as a 
teacher or a tutor mm-hmm. yeah. to say the least mm-hmm. but i was i was able to at least give guidance on students who are struggling with a bit of you know like select grammar when it comes to french i was able to at least do that and earn a little bit of money from that nice. elaine had nobody nice. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so that's how i ended up you know just doing french nice and so why french as opposed to any other language ah cliche um (laughs) not the question but why why i wanted to do french Uh i just like the idea of being able to communicate with people who Mm. live in paris Mm. so and just going to (laughs) france yeah and or switzerland i just like the idea of being able to be there's somebody from the you know an African descent and communicate their language, or even just going to Morocco in the African West African states, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and just being able to speak with them and mm-hmm. um, just connect with them on a different level than I would connect with people who speak Swahili here yeah. or mm-hmm. uh, my mother tongue or English. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was, and I also enjoyed it. I I loved the accent. You know, like how people <laughs> have a thing for British accent. Yeah. yeah. I love. <laughs> I don't know. I have a. I, it's just it seems interesting to me how um, the French accent is to people who are French natives. Mm. Yeah, mm. so I think that really piqued my interest. Um, yeah, other people chose Spanish or Mandarin mm-hmm. or Japanese, but yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's why French. Nice, nice. Wow. So I have to ask. Forgive me; it might sound like an ignorant question, but for us as locals. <laughs> How often do you uh-huh. how often do you use French here? Like, do you use French in your day to day life, especially in a country that is yeah. not French speaking? Like, how how often do you use it? Absolutely. So that's actually a very very good very mm-hmm. good question. So I I do have a, like two friends. Mm-hmm. We don't always speak regularly, mm-hmm. but when we do, we just made it you know put the effort of like if you whatsapp me i'm just gonna you know we, we're gonna be speaking in french nice. um yeah. there was a time my phone was in complete french nice. mm-hmm. i just recently switched it to english um and also like um the school where i did alliance first i don't know whether i can i can name drop brands i don't know i don't know whether i can do that here <laughs> like say yeah, school say it, like yeah, i can yeah so yeah okay cool <laughs> yeah so um, when i was at alliance Francais, because that's where i did my french okay. um they have conversational classes mm. so you can either do that online or you can mm. be there in person i also as i said i love art i love culture they normally have like a monday movie where you can just go from 6 p.m and watch a movie in french so that's how you're able to at least mm-hmm. polish and stay french no. <laughs> in a way of course i love being african i love being kenyan no yeah. absolutely i i love my my or like where i come from yeah. i absolutely mm-hmm. adore that and it doesn't hurt to be a, being able to appreciate other people's culture and picking it up definitely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. wow you've gone all the way with, with but it's with definitely friends. hard and that's something yeah 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 but as i say it's it was definitely hard especially in my my first class mm-hmm. i remember my teacher was quite harsh um and she was french so she expected you to pick pick, pick it up yeah. pick up the language mm-hmm. quite fast and mm-hmm. my classmates at the time were those ones who had done french in high school mm-hmm. my school mm-hmm. my high school at the time didn't have languages right. so i didn't do french in high school so those people like they knew like bonjour like how to write bonjour and i'm here still 
like you know remembering how my first class was how i have to remember yeah. how to pronounce <laughs> every alphabet yeah. so i know i quit like honestly i quit my first a1 i really struggled i think i quit mm-hmm. like thrice wow but I, I my mom was like angela i mean you know like this is something you picked do you want to change a language like is it an attitude like is it a mindset thing mm-hmm. is it your teacher yeah. can you stick it out um, can you change can you improve can then can you maybe put in more hours mm-hmm. so that you don't struggle i remember there's one class i i literally just left mid session i went and just cried like in the in the in the in the bathroom <laughs> i'm like what am i even i woke up so early my friends are literally sleeping yeah. to come and get frustrated yeah. for, for a language that's not even my own like mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah yeah and yeah. i'm the one who put myself in that class anyways so yeah it was i, I can't i i'm not gonna lie and say it was all lilies and rose you know roses yeah. from the yeah. first class no i truly did struggle with a1 i did struggle with it and that's why i didn't take an a1 exam i was like hey okay so i've i've seen how a1 is since i've excelled in house to mm-hmm. go to a2 that's what i'm going to do and then after i'm done with a2 i'm going to take now the delf exam and that's what i did and when i aced it it gave me the confidence to proceed nice yes. wow yeah yeah you've really inspired me to you know to pick up my spanish again and my biggest struggle with the language for me was not having somebody to speak it with and so i would uh-huh. sort of start and stop start and stop i did spanish in high school a little bit and then i did it in uni and then i would do the odd classes here and there like during breaks so when i had some time but i feel like i'm just uh-huh. stuck in the same place at some point i actually attempted b1 exam and it let's just say it didn't go very well um <laughs> and so it's it just made me shy away from progressing the language that much but i think i think i definitely i've been trying to get more into it and i have like duolingo the app on my phone to practice yeah. but just hearing your story has made me want to actually go back and take it like yeah. full on full on yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean I think if you really love I mean because you also have your reasons why Spanish, right? Yeah. It was easier than French yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean just go for it, honestly, because people yeah. think when you take a language they they assume like oh yeah maybe you're, you're really just gifted you're good at it but it's mm-hmm. it's really like another skill like you can't just learn how to code like you wake up tomorrow and you know how to build a game or to design a game or yeah. you know like it actually takes effort yeah it yeah. does yeah <laughs> so keep at it gadoni maybe yeah. it should be your 2020 <laughs> by 2023 we should circle back and be like ah yeah did you take your b1 exam you know no, that's a that's a good target <laughs> yeah <laughs> mm. yeah so Angela, we, we, we normally ask uh, our guests like what they wished before um, they went to university, like things they wish they knew beforehand. And I feel like with you, your answer will be very unique and different because you deal with young people a lot and you see the process that they go through. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so what, do you, what do you wish we knew before you applied and before you studied? Before I applied? Um... Wow, that's a lot. I mean, I I wish I I had a career coach or mm. somebody who'd like like or just a mentor right. who'd you know from exactly from especially from a 
like an IR background yeah. mm-hmm. who'd be able to sit down with me and tell me, hey, I know this is your goal, mm-hmm. but um, you're going to have to do math classes in there. You're going to have to take a business course in there. And by mm-hmm. the time you graduate, you you can't, or maybe the possibility of of you getting into the companies you're looking at mm-hmm. is, I, I don't want to say slim because I know I have friends who were able to venture into these companies, mm-hmm. but I also, majority of the people who did the course that I did either did a second um, degree in a totally different field, like culinary arts or teaching mm-hmm. or like law. Um, I, I, I just wish I had somebody to set my expectations and to advise mm-hmm. me on what else I should look at other than, you know, or maybe what IR means for me mm-hmm. and yeah. my my why in a bigger sense. So I think the majority, or maybe the, the biggest one would be, I wish I had a mentor then mm-hmm. to tell me, hey, listen, like this is how the job market is. And um, and yeah, and, and just to set my expectations right. And also, you know, for the, when it comes to the universities, I think I had a great support system there when it came to the universities because um mine was based on location first of all my mom was not about to have me um <laughs> uh live on campus mm-hmm. <laughs> firstborn daughters had to be protected like the eggs we are delicate <laughs> yeah. so that was uh, that was a factor um the other thing was uh which university would give me the best ROI, like, am I going to go to a university and then never graduate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I going to go to a university where I'm going to get the best experience with my course, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. opportunities, like out-of-country opportunities, um, exposure yeah. with my course? And that's how I narrowed down to USIU. So we were able to at least have an array. So we visited so many schools, yeah. mm-hmm. my parents, and we were able to see, now this is the university. So now we had to look at um, what is the university offering, et cetera, et cetera. And we're able to sit down and see, fine, then USIU is what then would give you the best um, experience as to as per what I was looking for, or maybe what we, th- we thought would work or would be best mm-hmm. for a course in IR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's how I ended up at USIU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned... No, okay. no, 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 just continue. <laughs> okay, so I, and I said, I, I honestly, I think I enjoyed that experience mm-hmm. because they, they they structured the courses in a way that you, you were given an international experience mm-hmm. and you were able to, like I attended so many, okay, like you remember, um, who was a secretary general for the UN, Antonio Guterres? Is that him? Right? At the time, so. right, yeah. Yes, he visited the school and then we were hosted at Safari Park mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and we were, we were taken through a week-long immersion of culture in Indonesian culture, Mexico. Um, they called it the MICTA event. Mm-hmm. So Mexico, Indonesia, Korean, I can't remember what the A was. Was it Austria or Australian? Mm-hmm. And it was very thorough. It was like we got to like experience 
Like for example, if it was Korean, they also have their own kimchi. And I was like, yani people, yani they're just trying to find a special name for cabbage. Honestly, I mean, like, so I mean, such stuff. Like it was super yeah. interesting. Like um, going for simulations at the UN, and now that I was like, yes. Like even when you look at my IG post, yeah. mm-hmm. I was like, yes, attending this because you know, future leader of tomorrow, which I still believe I am. But I knew like this is where, and honestly, maybe it's um. The university is listening. <laughs> no, but seriously. Uh, so attending such, you know, forums, um, going out of the country and organizing like field trips out of the country. And honestly, I think we enjoyed. Me and my, the people who did international relations there, at mm-hmm. least during my year, um, truly enjoyed the, the experience. If they were able to take advantage of the experiences, I'm pretty sure they were, they were able to enjoy. So by the time I was leaving uni, I was, I was a global citizen. Oh, in a way, wow. even without having to, you know, work at the UN to travel to like all the countries, yeah. possible countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I love that. Just getting involved in everything. Yeah. To have Absolutely. the full yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you see, like, not, not many students are usually keen on on that. And that's what I yeah. tell my younger sister now. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. in uni, like, just make sure you put in the work like just make mm-hmm. sure you are able to capitalize on the experience that you're having mm-hmm. as well as having fun you know yeah. like people just want to party in uni um and or attend class and then mm-hmm. that's it so your gpa fine your gpa is important honest yeah. to god it is but what else are you gaining other than your paper like yeah. are you gaining any valuable experiences other than going to Naivasha every other weekend you know what i mean <laughs> so I, yeah so <laughs> I think that's how I chose to direct my uni life, at mm-hmm. least after freshman year. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I had fun. Wow. wow. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you mentioned that your parents uh, went with you, like, looking at the different universities to help you, like, consider the best one. But before that, when you are thinking of the course to actually choose, did you get any support um, from them as well with that? Or had you already sort of decided and told them, this is what I want to do, let's go look at unis together? Okay, yes. Um, so I I knew, like, I, and I remember maybe my history teacher was like, you know you, mm-hmm. um, the way you answer your questions, you're quite mm-hmm. interested in international politics, you're interested in, in, in the world, in getting to understand how the world works in in a non-accounting, non-financial way. Like, you, you are very keen on wanting to understand, fine, we are talking about climate change. What is mm-hmm. our impact? If you have a Kenyan representative at the UN, you, you know, in New York, like, what is what are they doing there to make sure that we are maximizing on making sure our oceans are safe, making sure that, you know, we have proper systems at work here. And, and I think... At the time, I think she's also the one who introduced the idea of international relations and diplomacy mm-hmm. to me at the time. She was like, I'm, I think you need to consider this and just look at, um, look at, I, I think at the time she mentioned, um, um, who was the wife to Mandela? Uh, Michelle? Winnie. She's called Michelle. Oh uh, yeah, Winnie. Yes, yeah, Winnie. She's like, look at what she's doing. Um, she really highlighted a couple of strong women. And actually, when you look at the books that I read, I read books of you know strong women who've impacted the world. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, no, no harm, no fall on the guys who are still doing and putting their mark <laughs> in the world. But 
honestly, like I've read books on, you know, like uh, Cheryl Sandberg. I've read books on nice. even you know, um, um, she's called uh, Condoleezza Rice. Mm-hmm. And yes, Chimamanda. Mm-hmm. And and Condoleezza Rice especially was very impactful at the time. And I remember I got that book in my junior year, mm-hmm. where another one of my classmates he was a lawyer at the time he was like oh you're doing ir fine i have a book which this woman was the first black um uh minister uh, minister of advice of security and defense in the states mm-hmm. you guys look her up and when i read the book i was like yeah. wow people can do major things with international relations and at the time she did political science um and then you now her research area is very niche yeah so i the support you're asking of the support that i got um i think yes. my teacher was very influential mm-hmm. in directing me towards that path so she mentioned law she mentioned diplomacy she mentioned international relations communication and i've already debunked why i did not want to consider the other um, yeah. former <laughs> options um and i think after high school mm-hmm. so this is something i honestly um i hadn't heard of unicef at the time Mm-hmm. Um but I know I, I attended a couple of career fairs or maybe they were even hosted by UNICEF because you see sometimes you just go to an event you're like yeah there's a career yeah. fair you're not even sure who the organizers are yeah. you sit mm-hmm. through forums you look through books and mm-hmm. and right now I know I even told one of my colleagues uh, she's called Marie I met her and she gave me her card there was a career mm-hmm. fair at um I think Mayfair Casino and when I got to work with her I'm like ah you ma- you you I met you when I was about to join uni <laughs> and so yeah I think attending the career fairs really did help and yeah. university yeah. fairs because that way you know you get to meet professionals so now at this time yeah. you're like if you don't know what you want it could be a bit at that time i think it would be difficult because by the time i had finished high school i knew this was the path this was the path that i wanted to take so now my, my, my mom helped me get information on like these are career fair here um are you are you available of course i was available um mm-hmm. so she would take me leave me to it and then tell me when i'm done so she entrusted mm-hmm. me to ask the right questions mm-hmm. um get the right information and then when we'll go back home and now look at the universities that we saw and then um look at the courses understand the courses together so i i don't mm. think from my parents um or me, my mom she didn't she didn't really gear me towards any particular area mm-hmm. like she left it up to us because yeah. she was like you already forced to do certain subjects in high school in primary mm-hmm. but i'm not going to do that for you in uni so you come to me tell me like w- what you're looking at mm-hmm. i will Try as much as possible to put you in rooms where you you are able to understand your course, like in in a point of view of university life, like are these courses that you think you'd enjoy in uni. So that is yeah. maybe the direction we took. So I looked at the courses and I was like, yeah, I mean, I love this international political economy. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mediation and negotiations. And honest to God, like some of what I learned, some of the skills I use now because i negotiate with clients i'm able to and you know and and if it's client centric you're also able to you know handle different clients you know clients differently you're able to give them the best advice from an international perspective and yeah that's how i was able to navigate and perhaps select ir and know that i was sure that this is what i know for sure i would enjoy because that's what um i think the support i got from home was do something that you know you enjoy yeah mm-hmm. um of course now we look at a career that of course has a possible you know 
a high rate of success after graduation because no one yes. can ever predict at you graduate and then for sure for sure you get a well paying high earning job <laughs> yeah. not to say people i mean people are fortunate enough to be able to land into such roles and kudos to them but mm-hmm. it's not always the case with everybody yeah so at least i was yeah. prepared on both ends and i i was willing to take the risk Right. And I can see it paid off. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're big on support systems here and recognizing your support yes. systems and seeing how important they are and how they influence yeah. your career and your path and your journey. And it looks like it did in a very, very positive way for mm. you. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. yeah, thank you. Have you seen your high school teacher since the one who sort of encouraged you into IR? Oh, I know. You know, I mean, when I went back to get my certificate, uh-huh. like this was like when I, when I was in uni, she wasn't there. I think she got a transfer. Uh-huh. And uh, I just, I pray for that lady, man. Like, <laughs> honestly, because she she saw something in me, which I'm not sure what that was, because I yeah. genuinely enjoyed her classes. I was genuinely participating. Um, I was argumentative. And she liked that. And I think that was one of the classes that I really, really did look forward to. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, that's one of the classes that I flunked in my final year. I did not know. I, I maybe. So now even mom asked me, like, I, I mean, Angela, like you were always acing this class. What happened? Yeah. So of course, she's going to blame it. Or we blamed it on overconfidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really did enjoy history. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Mm. So, so yeah, I haven't seen her since. Well, but if she ever, you know, if we ever get to meet the streets of Kenya, I would be happy to <laughs> sit down with her and just take her through my journey over yeah. lunch or something. Yeah. And I'm sure she'd appreciate that as well. She'd love that. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you've told us about your, your, your journey and also how you settled into to, to uni and how the experiences uh, was for you. But the human side yeah. of Angela, what do you like to do for fun? Like, How do you unwind? How do you take all of the stress away? Besides reading, of course, and all of the books that you've mentioned. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> and podcasts and, and listening podcasts. to podcasts. Yeah. Um, I, love, I, I love hanging out with my friends, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Like I'm... I'm down to going out for a picnic. I'm I'm down to like enjoying good food, um, mm-hmm. in like you know restaurants that would have an ambience. You know, like I'm just. I don't want to say I'm a homebody, but I also I am a I'm a healthy balance of the two. So I also I like being outside, and enjoying the outdoors with my friends mm-hmm. and family. But I also love just being in the house. Um, documentaries and you know movies comedies so i think that's how i would unwind yeah nice yeah Mm. Yeah. is important that work-life balance you can't take everything too seriously sometimes you know you just need to chill and relax and it's it's important to have those things that make you feel yeah yeah and also like i went through a period of what 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 do you even mean by work-life balance to me that doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense you know yeah yeah, so I'm just like, because you can't be at work. Because you see, like, the first question you asked me, Dennis, was, who is Angela? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I'm so much in one person that I can't, at even now I'm home, I'm not Europe lead. You right. know, at even now I'm here, yeah. I'm not a yeah. sister or a friend. Yeah. There's no possible way you can disassociate your life mm-hmm, in that way. Mm-hmm. So how I choose to look at it, and I know I borrow this from Caroline Motoko, she says it's work-life integration. 
mm. and just integrate your life in a very healthy dynamic yeah. mm-hmm. so that way if you're at work you're still a sister you're still you know a daughter you're still a friend you're perhaps even a girlfriend um mm-hmm. but you you can't disassociate the two and if the people in your life understand that i have to pick a work call mm. when i'm with my family you know when i'm when we are hanging out best believe it's important and also because this is my life yeah and right. the same thing goes like if i'm at work and i have a personal emergency this is still my life and as long as i'm able to handle both aspects properly then i should be able to at least incorporate my whole life everywhere i go so that's i am not a big fan of saying work life balance yeah. because personally i don't think it exists yeah. yeah 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 we've mentioned that plenty of times in our mm. host led episodes as well just find work life yeah. balance it, it doesn't right? exist so it's just i mean how you manage yeah. it is is how it works best for you i guess so true yeah true yeah Awesome. This has yeah. been so much fun. I really enjoyed your story. Yeah, but amazing story, <laughs> yeah. Angela, an amazing story. And it's amazing because coming from, really from, well. from UNICEF, you. you know, we talk to a lot of young people and their journeys from, from you know, work to uni yeah. and vice versa. And someone who actually, you know, works yeah. in that industry, it's very, it's very interesting. And we learned a lot yeah, wow. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've enjoyed the conversations as well. It's like... You've taken me down memory lane. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I'm probably going to reflect on this um, later. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Nice. Um, So, as we're just coming to a a close, where can our listeners find you if they have any questions? Okay. All right. Um, if they have any questions, they can find me on, of course, I'm not giving my WhatsApp number. <laughs> no. <laughs> Get her quick. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, they can find me on um, Instagram at mm-hmm. miss underscore Kimiri. They mm-hmm. can find me on um, email <laughs> at kimiriangela at gmail.com. And if they have a work-related question, they can find me on um, Angela at unisaveducation.com. So I think I'm going to send these details to you, Gathoni and Dennis, and then yes. you can perhaps put it on your show notes. Yeah we'll, yeah. Put, yeah, we'll put them all in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Thank, you yeah. for, thank you for this conversation, Angela. Yeah. It's been really, really interesting. Oh, yeah. And they can also find me on my website. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but seriously, I'm, I think uh, yeah, I'll send the details. MissKimiri.wordpress.com so they can enjoy my poetry, yeah, mm-hmm. and so on. <laughs> yeah, we'll share it all. Definitely, definitely. Well, this has been a fantastic episode, Angela. Thank you for 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 joining us and for having this conversation with us. Yeah. For our yeah. guests, for our guests, we do have Angela again, and uh, many of our listeners have sent in questions specifically for UNICEF and and what that's like and professors yeah. for applying to university. So we'll tackle that in our next episode, and then we can answer all of our listeners' all questions. Right. But thank you, Angela. This has been fantastic. You have an amazing journey, thank and we're, thank we're you, happy Dennis. that we we're happy that we had you in this one. Wow! Thank you, guys. I'm really honored, honestly. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We'll we'll catch you guys on the next episode. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Kenyan's Experience. If you found this episode inspiring or even helpful, then please do us a solid and share it with close friends or family 
or even just share it to the world. We appreciate you. Hit us up. Check out that new feature, the voice notes. Let us know what you think about this episode. We'd love to hear back from you.